asked, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way It's time to name the neglect from typical food advice. Welcome to the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Hosted by me, Julie Duffy Dillon. I'm a registered dietitian with 20 years of experience partnering with folks just like you on their food peace journey. What have we learned? Well, cookie cutter approaches exclude too many people and you don't need to be fixed. It's not you, it's not me, it's all of us. Only together, we can start a movement and fix diet culture, and we will. Let's begin with now. And welcome to episode 295 of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. My name is Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I am real happy to be here with you today. And this is a pro talk episode. This is an episode where a listener, just like you, writes a letter to food, or to body or to really anything that is making it tough (laughs) to unpack and heal your relationship with food. We have a listener letter and we have a guest who comes and helps us answer it. And today's guest is Joanna Candell, who is the founder of the National Alliance for Eating Disorders. This is someone not only has been running this organization for 22 years, but also has a lived experience with a very complicated relationship with food. And she has a lot to say. I am grateful for Joanna's work. She has helped a lot of people that I have gotten to know over the years. And um, again, I can't wait for you to hear about what she has to say. But before we get to the letter, I want to just let you know a few things about the letter so you can take care of yourself. Um, This letter, um, the very brave person who wrote in is talking about a stuck place that they're in with judging their experience, trying to recover, adding more foods, and realizing that it ties in with their own judgment of other people and body size. So this person is unpacking their own kind of anti-fat bias that we all live with because we've all learned this from living in this world. And if you are someone in a higher weight body, I just wanted to let you know that so you can take care of yourself, decide if this episode is for you or not. And um, I wanted to include it because the things that Joanna brings to light, um, I think will help more people, um, especially people in higher weight bodies, be able to access eating disorder recovery by everyone doing this work, especially those of us who are not in higher weight bodies. So with that being said, take care of yourself. And what we're going to do now is I'm going to read the letter and then you'll have a quick word from a sponsor. Dear Food, I have recently been on an uphill battle to try and fix our relationship. 
after countless years of living a secret life with an unacknowledged eating disorder, consisting largely of restricting and binging, I made the change to recognize and treat my disordered eating patterns. I have since been diagnosed with an eating disorder and am currently adventuring through the recovery process with a support system of professionals and loved ones. Although I can feel and appreciate the changes that I've made and the growth that I've experienced, there is one reoccurring thought I cannot let go of. I feel that it is keeping me trapped in my eating disorder world. Currently, I am gradually increasing my food intake and attempting to diversify the types of food that I consume. However, I'm finding this to be a painfully difficult experience because I cannot stop thinking that everyone is constantly judging me for what I eat. Essentially, whenever I eat something, I believe that other people are thinking to themselves, wow, look at her eating that. She is eating that because she is fat. This thought is strongest if I were to ever eat food that is constructed as unhealthy, but is also present if I were to eat food that is constructed as healthy, but consume a lot of it. For example, when I eat at a restaurant, I fear finishing my plate because I assume that the waitstaff will judge me for eating all of the food and will judge my body. That being said, I understand that this is an illogical belief to have. I have countless pieces of evidence from doctors, the number on the scale, the size of clothing I wear that indicate that I'm not fat. I'm not overweight. Yet this evidence doesn't override my internal belief that my body is too big and that others are ingredients with me. Throughout my recovery process, I have come to understand that I hold a strong core belief that my worth comes from my body and that I should always strive for a smaller body. I know this belief is problematic but I can't stop agreeing and believing it. To add one other layer to this puzzle, this thought, where others judge my body and believe that I shouldn't be eating because my body hasn't achieved the thin ideal it has been striving for, is particularly difficult for me to let go of because I hold this judgment on others. I find myself judging others for what they eat, and I tend to, in my mind, idealize those with small bodies and not hold them to the same judgment. This has been a difficult piece for me to accept because it makes me feel so sad and ashamed to think that I'm doing to others what I fear others are doing to me. This fear has fueled so many problematic behaviors, and I know it is so unfair for me to hold this judgment onto others. I'm wondering how I can overcome this. How do I remove this judgment that I place on myself and on others. How do I let go of this tiring, inaccurate, mind-reading game I am constantly playing? Will I ever accept my body and accept the fact that it deserves to eat food and a variety of foods? Sincerely, a life of judging and judgment. As you are navigated your complicated relationship with food, I appreciate you may need some more support. I encourage you to go to my free downloads page. It is at julieduffydillon.com slash voice. There you can find resources to help you advocate for yourself 
at the doctor's office. That handout is called the Diet Free Doctor Visit. It allows you a way to customize your requests. And on the flip side of the document, it also includes some seeds. So in case this conversation has piqued your doctor's interest, which oftentimes it does, um, then it has some resources for them to get some more information on why rejecting diets and healing from diet culture is something that can actually promote health and that you deserve as a human being. If you live with PCOS, and I know many of my listeners do live with PCOS, I have a PCOS Power Roadmap that is ready for you. It gives you your first three steps to move away from diets while living with PCOS. Again, you can get all of these downloads and many more at julieduffydillon.com slash voice. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hi, Joanna. Hi. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm so glad to meet you. I've heard a lot about your organization in the past from folks I worked with and um, from peers. And, you know, as you know, like before we were recording, I didn't know you started the organization. So it's been a really great um, organization for many people. So I feel really lucky to be able to chat with you and to hear your thoughts about the letter. Did you get a chance to read through the letter I sent? I did. I did. Thank you so much for, for sending it over. And I am, I'm constantly so amazed, you know, and I feel so lucky doing the work that I do and being the advocate that I am because I get to meet the most incredible, bravest, most rock star, badass humans. Um, and the, and the, the amazing human that sent the letter is just extraordinary. And I'm so happy that they reached out for help. I am too. They're doing the hard work right now. Like they're digging to the parts that are probably like real raw, uncomfortable. And like, once you open them up, it could be like hard to like put a pin in. So yeah, yeah, lots of hard work happening. Um, I think that's so great to acknowledge that this person is doing the hard work because I know, you know, I don't know specifically for this person who wrote the letter, but for a lot of people I work with, they would always just feel like weak, or ashamed and not really acknowledging how they're like really doing some heavy lifting as they're trying to recover into this world that hasn't recovered yet. So true. You know, something that always just floors me is that, you know, I mean, for so many of us that have experienced eating disorders that are experiencing eating disorders, you know, we have to sort of hold the space for the fact that eating disorders are coping mechanisms. They're maladaptive and they're extremely healthy and, and often deadly with someone unfortunately losing their life every 52 minutes to this insidious disease. Um, 
And at the same time, the dialectic of it is that it serves, serves a purpose. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's why the journey to recovery, I think, is so damn hard because it's like you want to recover, but you're so scared to recover. You know what to expect when you're in your eating disorder for good or for bad, like you know what to expect. And so as you're on this journey to recovery, you know, this whole concept of, you know, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. And I feel like Mm. I hear so often in our support groups, I'm sure you hear this in sessions of like, yeah, it's, it's horrible. And I also know. And so as anybody entering the journey to recovery and doing some of the hardest work that they will ever do, I just want to acknowledge that it can be so layered and so much more difficult because even though it's something that you want to recover from, it's so damn scary at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The part that this person is talking about, I'm looking through the letter again, just to like look at some of the things that I highlighted, you know, talking about increasing food intake to repair their body. Um, and then having this fear of judgment, um, talk to me about that, about that part, you know, is that something that you've heard other people feel stuck in so much, so much, so much, so much, you know, I mean, if you think about these rules that so many of us have that when, when you are in the journey of, uh, or experiencing the, um, the, the eating disorder, it can feel so out of control when you're starting to mm-hmm fully renourish, fully heal, fully do the things that um, you need to do at the same time of living in such a weight obsessed, body centric, fat phobic, you know, weight stigmatized world where, you know, everywhere you turn, you got it, you're getting these message, you know, that, that very, that, um, very dangerous O word that, you know, that is thrown around mm-hmm. all the time. Um, I, I choose not to say it because I know that many mm-hmm. folks that I work with, it can be very harmful we do that for here. them. Yeah, we do not um, say it here too. <laughs> but I appreciate that so, so much. Mm-hmm. But here you are leaning into, okay, I need to nourish myself more. I need to eat more. It's it's literally contraindicatory of the message that we're hearing in our world where, you know, we still have, and I'm going to totally date myself here, you know, or we have these quote unquote, like the, these quotes from you know, models like Kate Moss in like the late 80s, early 90s about like, you know, I don't even need to say it. It doesn't need to become anybody's mantra. I know which one Um, you're referring to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, here you are trying to refeed, heal, and then these messages that you're getting all the time through social media, through your friends, through your family. I mean, I don't know about you, Julie, but, you know, even doing what I do, I've been doing, I've been running the Alliance for almost 22 years. And I still go out with people and they're talking about what diet they've been on, what restrictions that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Family, like, are you kidding me? Like you sat there when I almost <laughs> lost my life numerous times with my eating disorder and we're still having this. Mm-hmm. And so for this human that's walking the journey of recovery, doing the things that she needs to do, and then getting these both internal messages and external messages. There's so much unpacking. There's so much learning and relearning. There's so much becoming and unbecoming at the same time. Um, so to that person who wrote in that letter, um, I just want to acknowledge and give you and, and just tell you, hold space for the fact this shit is hard. And I know that we're feeling it both internally where that negative, you know, crappy committee between our ears are telling us we shouldn't be doing this. It's too much. It's, it's this, it's that on top of the perceived and perhaps very real messages that we're getting externally as well. So, you know, I would just tell that human is remember 
that it's going to take time. Remember that we've been doing things a certain way for a very, very long time. And I mean that if it's been a beat or a lifetime, it doesn't matter. It's become mm-hmm. second nature. And so it's going to take time to unlearn um, these internal messages and cues that we've had for so long. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so glad you shared your own experiences and how it takes time. Um, one of my favorite things to do in this podcast is connect with people who have experienced eating disorders and um, have that lived experience to be like, hey, those of you who are just starting or right in the muck, um, stay with it. Like, we can do this. <laughs> and um, I think it's really important to keep hearing from folks who have mm-hmm. gone through this process. So thank you for sharing that. And I like the name crappy committee, by the way, that <laughs> I wrote that down. Cause I was like, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, typically I will be very honest with you. I don't use crappy. I use a different word, but um, oh, I thought that okay. I would, I would scale it down just a little bit for the does podcast. It start with the letter S? Is it like it shitty committee? Oh, it is. Yes. And it sounds okay. so much better, you know? Um, yes, it does. But, Cause I'm not but it's, about, I'm but it's like, true. No, crap is not good enough. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's true. If you think about, you know, I mean, it's that, that negative voice that keeps on telling us that we don't deserve, we're not good enough, that we can't. And it's like, you know, what happens if we start sort of challenging that, that, that voice? And I also want to say, it's so damn hard. Like, you know, to the person who wrote the the, the letter, to the person who's just starting the, the, the journey to recovery, you know, at, when I started my recovery journey, all there was, was the lifetime after school, you know, movies where it was like three oh, quarters yeah. of the movie was this like horrific experience with an eating disorder. Because behavior happens yeah. and then they live happily ever after and they're happy. And I'm like, that was not my struggle. <laughs> I did yes. not have a perfect recovery. For me, it was one step forward, three steps back, two steps forward, one step back. I fell so many times. Julie, I can't even tell you. And my black or white, all or nothing, um, perfectionistic brain was not okay with this because if you're going to do recovery, you have to do it perfectly or else you're in your mm. eating disorder. That's sort of how my, my brain worked. I'm here to tell you, you are not going to do recovery perfect. It's going to be yeah. a giant mess. It's going to hurt. It's going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to feel like you're going to want to give up so many times. But listen to what Julie said, and, and please hear me when I say, please don't give up. You're not meant to do this alone. You're not supposed to do this alone. I really believe, and something that we preach at, at the Alliance all the time, is that that mental health is health. Mental health and physical health, same, just different right. uh, different versions of health. One is not more important than the other. One doesn't hold more, more weight space than, than the other. If you are experiencing something like diabetes, a broken arm cancer, you wouldn't, would, you would not be made to feel that you were supposed to heal that on your own. Um, Mm -hmm. you would know that you need to get help. This is the same thing with eating disorders. You're not supposed to recover on your own. So when you've tripped and and you've had that, that, that trip and fall, please reach out. That's not a weakness. On the contrary, it's mm-hmm. bravery. That is what we need to do in order to continue the journey to recovery. I agree. I agree. I think the thing I learned um, over the last, I don't know, I think around when you started the Alliance is when I started first working with um, folks um, struggling with eating disorders. So um, the one thing that I've kind of picked up from just sitting alongside people is 
there's not some fancy tool or anything like that that helps people recover. It's relationships with others. Like it's connecting with other people. Um, however we can help with that is super powerful. One thing I wanted to just name and touch on is something that we talked about before we push record because what I was kind of gleaning from the, this, this um, letter was how this person was starting to uncover like with like to fears of weight gain and um, also noticing their own judgment of people in higher mm-hmm. weight bodies. Like I was like, Oh, that person is starting to get to some mm-hmm. cultural and systemic issues oh, yeah. that we all have that can feel real shitty to use the shitty committee. Um, and what you said, I was like, Oh, that is something I can't wait for us to talk about. So, um, yeah. What were your thoughts? I, Cause I, you said that you kind of noticed that too, that person was starting to get to that spot of like, Oh, I may have some bias. Um, Oh, a hundred percent. how that impacts things. Yeah. Well, and, and before I, b- b- before I continue, I just want to say, this is not me saying anything to the human that wrote the letter. In fact, yes, I think it's 100%. highlighting, specifically yes. highlighting the fact that, you know, we hold so much bias, you know, intrinsically mm-hmm. we hold so much bias, right? Like it was really interesting. Um, and I know I'm sort of going on tangent, but there is a reason. I love um, a tangent. Yes. Okay. The FAA right now, two days ago, released a survey. I, I'm sure you've seen it mm-hmm. to say, um, you know, we would love your feedback. Are airplane chairs too small? It doesn't matter are if they? you are an infant, infant, like airplane chairs are too small. And they're extremely yeah. prohibitive to folks that live life in higher weight bodies. Yeah. I am, I'm, I'm a human that did live life in a much higher weight body. And I will tell you, I know very, very honestly what it's like to get on a plane and to have people have this look in their eyes to say, I really hope that you don't sit next to me. And the reason why I share that is because, you know, we are taught from day zero that certain truths about size, about food, about like how mm-hmm. you eat, you know, and, and the, as this amazing human who wrote in the letter is realizing how much internal bias we hold to mm-hmm. as well as external. And that's why, you know, as I was saying, you know, as, as you continue your journey to recovery is, not only dealing with external because that's a very real thing, but taking a look at what we hold inside, like maybe letting go of the perception of what, of what we thought we needed to look like. It's letting go of like this idea that if you are a certain size or shape that you're not healthy, we know that there's health at every size, right? Like really doing a vested interest to take a step away from the bullshit BMI, for example. Um, mm-hmm. but it's really taking a look at our internal stuff and really reach out to your therapist. And this is something that, you know, if you have, um, you know, if, if you do have that, that luxury, and I will say that, that the luxury, that privilege of having access to care, because we know that only a third of individuals that experience eating disorders will have that, that, that privilege of care is really leaning into that because I know that for me personally, that was so much of my work is letting go of my internal bias of, of what I thought I needed to be like and really be cognizant of the fact where it was a learned behavior that became very much my internal dialogue. Hmm. You know, and you're in the advocacy space. I mean, that's something that I see as people in our field 
kind of just starting to have some awareness of. And I would imagine that this is something that as more folks do some of this work and noticing how we all have these bias and uh, biases, spend time with a therapist to really sift through it and decide what you want to do with it. Um, yeah. That's only going to make eating disorder or recovery easier moving forward. I, oh, you know, that's so what I true. always think about with it. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, the, and one thing I just wanted to add is like, you know, it's just even, um, and, and I say this to clinicians all the time is even watch what you are saying to your clients. Like I remember, you know, I, I, I remember one of, when I finally got access to care, cause I didn't have access to care for a very long time. And, you know, one of my, one of my, um, dietitians, you know, she said to me, she's like, don't worry, you know, you're not going to hit a certain weight. Like, and it literally, mm-hmm like fed into my internal, um, you know, fat bias or, or, or body bias is watching even the language that, that, that we're saying is, you know, again, it's really leaning into doing the work around, you know, I am always like so grateful for the work that the Hayes community has, like Ashta and all of them have done all the, all the sweat, all the time, um, and I know that even someone who sits with so much privilege, right? Like, I mean, I know how much privilege I sit with is I need to make sure that I'm passing the mic to folks that can do a better job and that I sit back and I listen and I learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, 100%. Uh, well, before we move on to um, finding out a little bit more about the Alliance, is there any other kind of steps forward that you'd recommend to this person or did we cover all the steps that you had in mind? I would just say to that person, I think you are a, like I said at the beginning, you are a rock star. You are doing the damn hard work. Um, please, please bring this up with your therapist. It sounds like you have an amazing treatment team. You have amazing loved ones. Um, don't be afraid to name this because I think so often um, we feel these things and we're so afraid of judgment. Um, and we oftentimes, I know that a lot of individuals that are recovering will want to be that perfect patient. Yeah. This is the time for you to do the hard work. So even if you don't feel comfortable saying it out loud, like taking the letter and like texting it to your therapist, if you have a texting relationship, emailing it to them and saying, mm-hmm. this is how I'm feeling. Can we start working towards this? Can we start unpacking this together? Um, lean into your therapist, lean into your team. Um, because I can tell you, it'll be so helpful. And as you said so brilliantly at the end of when you were sharing is this will be a game changer for your journey to recovery. 100%. Oh, well, tell us about the Alliance for Eating Disorders. So I founded um, the Alliance um, almost 22 years ago as a direct result of my eating disorder. I'm someone, as I've shared, of lived experience. Um, and, you know, for me, when I was when I was struggling, there were definitely things that didn't happen, even though for some of my experience, I was that archaic stereotype of who develops eating mm. disorders and what they look like. Um, and so I thought that once I, I found my journey to recovery, I do prescribe to the word recovered. That's what I feel very comfortable with. Um, however, I always need to say a disclaimer, whatever word works for you, works for you, whether it's in recovery, recovering, healing, healed, abstinent, whatever works for you. I just want you to know that it gets better. So what I found my journey to recovery um, was going to get um, my doctorate in clinical psychology and and was ready to go. 
And then I realized what I really wanted to do was talk to that, you know, seventh grade me who felt like I didn't deserve to take up space, be seen, heard. Um, so I deferred school. I moved back home to South Florida. I took out a student loan inappropriately. I misused my funds, um, but I did pay it back. So <laughs> to start the Alliance. Um, I love that you're telling the truth on that. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I've got nothing to hide. Um, yeah. And I, that's how I started. And really mm-hmm. my, ex, my experience became the blueprint of of the Alliance. And so what we do at the Alliance um, is we do three three specific pillars. One is um, referrals to care. Cause I know that when I was, um, when I was struggling with my eating disorder, I had no, I didn't know where to turn. And I think individuals and loved ones, I mean, I, with the advent of, you know, of the interwebs and Google and all of that, it's so much easier. But if you go on like a website like Psych Today, people treat 67 different things and you don't know oh, if they yeah. really do do treat it. So um, right. we have the largest um, comprehensive and um, inclusive referral database called Find ED Help. Um, you can find it at findedhelp.com. You can put in your zip code. You can put in what you're experiencing, what type of insurance you have if, if you're looking for an insurance-based provider. And it'll give you everything from therapists, dietitians, all the way up to acute medical stabilization. And on the flip side of that, uh, we have an amazing helpline that's completely staffed with clinicians that are that are um, licensed and specialized in the treatment of eating disorders. We don't have volunteers that answer our lines, um, and we think that's just so much safer because so mm-hmm. many of the calls that we get can be, you know, um, crisis calls, and so we want to make sure that they're getting rerouted to the right supports. Um, our second pillar is our education. Uh, we do a lot of educating our frontline providers, doctors, nurses, dentists, teachers on how to recognize and refer eating disorders, um, not to make them specialists by any means, but I'm sure so much of your audience has experienced this where they will go into their primary care provider and because less than 20% of all healthcare providers are giving any education on eating disorders, often the information that is being said is very harmful, very wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to give them enough information to do the right thing and to refer them into pro- into like offices like yours. Um, and then the third piece is our support group piece, which is I think what people know us the most for um, is we have a bunch of free weekly therapist-led support groups. We have them in-person and virtual. Our in-person um, have been on hiatus because of COVID, but they're coming back um, beginning of September, which is really exciting. Um and yeah, we've ha- we had almost nineteen thousand participants come to our virtual groups wow. um, in twenty twenty one. And for anybody who's listening, um, we have uh, pro recovery groups for humans eighteen and older that are experiencing and recovering from eating disorders. We have an LGBTQ plus specific group. We have a group for um, loved ones, friends, and family, and we have an, a mom to mom support group of just moms that have loved ones that are um, experiencing eating disorders. So. That's what we do. We're here to help. Oh, what a great resource. Yeah. And, you know, it's a organization that when I was doing one-on-one care, I had folks here benefiting from it because I would see a lot of college students who'd come from Florida and they would talk about it. I think a few of them brought me like little um, decals that I had on my window in my Static office because I had like yeah. a window. Yeah. Yeah. To, um, yep, absolutely. I needed a block. And so I just covered them with it. So, um, and I don't know if you watched um, the show, My Big Fat Fabulous Life, but I was on it for two episodes. This was eons ago, but I mentioned it because you can see the door um, when I, I'm about to like, she's about ready to open the door 
uh, Whitney Thor is the she, and you could see all of the. That's your, awesome. Your decals That's awesome. On I have to I go know. back and watch it to be like, look I at know. Our I think. <laughs> I, I think even um, Whitney like reads one of them. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that um, my dietitian is saying this because it was like it was a, a so fat good. positive type of cling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, yes. So I'm so grateful, and again, it's touched people that I didn't know you, and it's touched people that I've. Um, talked to over the years. So I love how the world is small and thank you for doing the work you're doing. Tell me about the free summit that's coming up. I know there's one coming up like real soon. That sounds real amazing because there's something about shitting rainbows even in it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So um, almost four years ago, um, um, my dear friend, McCall Dempsey, who started Southern Smash, who is also another human in recovery, who's just um, one of my sheroes. her and I got married, so Southern Smash, her nonprofit, and um, at that at that time it was the Alliance for Eating Disorders Awareness. Now we're the, the National Alliance for Eating Disorders. We decided to get married, um, and Southern <laughs> Smash became a program of the Alliance. And something that McCall always did is um, she had these dare to love yourself cards. Like, how do you dare to love yourself? And so. Over the pandemic, we decided to turn that into a summit. So on um, Monday, September 19th at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will be hosting our third annual Dare to Love Yourself Summit. It is virtual um, and it is an amazing, um, it's an amazing event that centers around um, body neutrality, um, you know, uh, being okay to like reach out for help. And our two main conversations this year is, um, one of the, one of the terms that McCall says all the time is stop shitting rainbows. Like, and I think that's so often on the journey to recovery, mm-hmm. we start about like, it has to be this, it has to be that. And I think we also live in a world that is so obsessed with this toxic positivity. Like even, yeah. you know, we have these, you know, these, you know, uh, body positive, um, which I don't want to take away anything from that space, but like you have, like they love themselves every day. And I'm like, dude, no one loves themselves every day. (laughs) And so it's, it's sort of like unpacking this idea that, you know, um, you're going to have great days. You're going to have not so great days, but all days you need to show up and still like, you know, like respect your body, however you are able to. So the first conversation is stop shitting rainbows. The second conversation is, um, uh, smash the stigma. It's okay to ask for help. And this whole idea of more general mental health of like, you know, so often we feel like we should be able to do this on our own because, you know, our head is above the neck and we should be able to fix it. Like just, I, I mean, as someone who's experienced anxiety and depression, having family say, you know, you have everything to be happy. Why are you so sad? Mm-hmm. Um, So, you know, contributing to the narrative that you should be able to fix this. So this idea of smashing the stigma that it's not okay to reach out for help when actually when you do reach out for help, it is the bravest thing you can do. So um, we have a, a lot of special guests in there as well. Um, but yeah, we just hope that you can join us. If you go um, to dare to love yourself.co.co, so dare to love yourself.co, um, you can see everything um, about it. And I think we will be launching pretty much right around the time that, that this podcast goes live. So hope that you will join us for that. Um, Thank like you. I said, I think we had oh 2,500 people join us last year. So that's amazing. Us. Oh, Great. Well, thanks for putting that on. That sounds awesome. So we'll put the link to that in the show notes. So if someone wants to find out more about your organization or the work you're doing, where's the best place for them to go? 
Um, so they can just reach out to us online. We're allianceforeatingdisorders.com. Um, the, the, there's an asso. It's a plural eating disorders, allianceforeatingdisorders.com. Um, you can follow us on all the social platforms. We are at Alliance for ED. Um, so follow us on that. Um, and then you can always reach out to us on our toll free helpline, which is 866 662 122. Three five. Um, we're here uh, Monday through Friday, nine to five thirty. Um, and I will tell you, our resources department. We have the most amazing humans that answer the phones. Um, so please do not be afraid to reach out for help. Um, we're here, and you don't have to walk this journey alone. Oh, thank you so much. What a great um, set of resources for folks to to connect with the support. So letter writer, I hope this helps and I hope you have some resources to connect with if you need more in the place that you're in. Thank you so much, Joanna. It was so great to meet you. Um, Good luck with this event. It sounds amazing. And I really appreciate your time here and also all the work you've been doing over the last 22 years. It's so needed, but also just amazing that you have been giving yourself to helping other people, you know, get the support they need. So thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for um, what you do and for your time and uh, hope we can connect again soon. Yeah, me too. So there you have it. Letter writer, I hope my conversation with Joanna Kandel from the National Alliance for Eating Disorders was helpful for you. I appreciate hearing lived experience so much along this process of helping you connect with your food voice. and. Like Joanna said, she's been there, she's there and supporting you in your brave space. I hope for you, letter writer, and anyone listening who can relate, I hope this conversation was helpful. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast, we always appreciate subscribing, sharing an episode. You can leave a rating or review. Doing any of those things really helps us grow. So we thank you in advance. And also remember this episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast was brought to you by my free downloads over at julieduffydillon.com slash voice. Get your diet-free doctor visit handout and also the PCOS Power Roadmap. Again, you can get to it at julieduffydillon.com slash voice. All right. I see food has written back, but until next time, take care. Dear a life of judging and judgment, you are so very brave taking these particular steps on your journey. We know this is a tough spot to be in and can feel so alone. Even though you may not see others with you, please know many are in the same space or have been there. Connect with others recovering as often as you can. Name this stuck place with your therapist. It may be painful to unpack the biases wedged in there, but do not let the shame block you from uncovering the truth. You were taught to judge bodies. Every human has been taught this. Unpacking this will empower your recovery and allow others to access it too. We appreciate this is hard work, but it's good work. It will take time and keep going. Love, food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Find Your Food Voice podcast. 
ready to join the anti-diet movement and take the Food Voice Pledge? Go to julieduffydillon.com and sign your name to the growing list of people saying no to diets and yes to their own food voice. The Find Your Food Voice podcast is produced by me, Julie Duffy Dillon, and my team of kick-ass folks. I couldn't make the show without Yelly Cruz, assistant producer and resident book feed, and Colleen Bremner, customer service coordinator and professional hype master. Audio editing is from Toby Lyles at 24 Sound. Music is Fly Free by Hartley. Are you looking for episode transcripts? Get them at julieduffydillon.com, where you can also submit letters for the podcast, give us feedback, and sign the Food Voice Pledge. We need your voice to end diet culture. We literally can't do this without you. Subscribe to the Find Your Food Voice podcast to get weekly inspiration and education on how we can defeat diet culture and reclaim our own food voice. I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Take care.